Part three, the battle for the mind. And uh, we use this a lot in our counseling because so many defeated people, uh, the, the defeat takes place first in the mind and then it comes out in actions. In Matthew uh, 16, it's an interesting chapter on thinking and a lot of things, but it's interesting. And we pick up Jesus' life after he has spoken to large groups and he stands up front and the Lord has allowed me to speak to large groups. And so when you stand up front, you're really not sure how the people are responding. And of course, I'm always speaking to Christian groups, so whether they are not responding, they at least look pleasant. You know, if you speak to unbelievers, they don't like what you're saying, you, you'll know quickly. So Jesus turned to the disciples. He said, you guys were in the crowd, and you're listening to the people talk about me. What are they saying? Who do they think that I am? And he said, well, some think you're John the Baptist, Elias, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But see, these people just heard him. The disciples camped out with him. Because remember, a disciple lived in those days with the discipler. And so they ate with Jesus. They slept with Jesus. They knew Jesus in a whole different way than just going to hear him speak. And so he said, but who do you guys say that I am? And Peter answered that question. Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, that's so profound. And that was right on. But Jesus said something that we never would have known. We just think Peter had just a real keen, accurate mind. Jesus said, to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father in heaven. Now what was he saying? He said, Peter, that thought did not originate in your mind, but God put that thought in your mind so that you could say it. And Peter had no idea that that thought came from God. He thought it was just himself. And as we go down in the chapter, you get down to verse 21. And for the first time, Jesus begins to tell the disciples that he is going to go to Jerusalem to be crucified, buried, and raised again. And on the third day even. And Peter's going, I don't understand this. We're just getting the ministry started. So Peter speaks up and he took him. Uh, Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from this, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Don't go. Don't, don't leave us. We're just getting the ministry going. Don't talk about dying and so on. And Jesus turned to Peter, and he said something very significantly. He turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for youth savoreth or know not the things that be of God, but from men. It was a very human perspective, not God's perspective. And Satan gave him that impression or that thought. So it's interesting in this chapter, 
that Peter had thoughts from God and had thoughts from Satan, and he didn't know it. Peter believed, like many believers, that every thought that came into his mind was his. And that is a real trap. Not every thought that I have is necessarily mine. And we're going to 2 Corinthians 10, which is spiritual warfare in a nutshell. You know, if, you, if I could summarize everything on spiritual warfare, I would put it in these three verses. And he says, though you and I walk in the physical body, we do not war after the physical body. He's saying, he's going to tell us that, you know, all my determination and all my whatever is not enough. We need something more in the battle for the mind and in the battle that we're facing in everyday life situations. He said the weapons that God has given us to be successful in the battle are not carnal or they're not of the world. We see so many believers using worldly techniques and worldly whatever uh, in their battle and they're losing. But he said, the weapons I'm giving you are mighty, and the word mighty, and this is in the King James, the word mighty is divinely empowered weapons. And why is it giving us these divinely empowered weapons that we may pull, uh, mighty through God, to pull down strongholds? Now remember, 2 Corinthians is written to believers. And he's saying believers have strongholds. Well, what in the world is a stronghold? Today, we don't use that term uh, very much. But literally, as you think in English, something has a grip on me. But here he's talking about, you know, in the spiritual battle, there's something that has a grip on me. And it's a stronghold. Now, when the children of Israel went into the Promised Land and they crossed the Jordan River, before they went across the Jordan River, uh, Joshua sent in uh, a couple of guys to check out the very first stronghold they were coming to, and that stronghold was Jericho. Jericho was a doubled-walled city. And it was a stronghold. And most of the strongholds, and I've been to Israel, most of the strongholds were not as huge as you'd think they would be. Because more people usually lived outside of the stronghold than in it. Although people did live in it, uh, uh, the farms and things were outside. And so when an enemy would come, the people that lived around the stronghold and were part of that city would go in there and they would shut their gates and uh, provide protection for them and leave the farms empty as far as their houses go but usually uh, they took some of the animals some of the animals may not be in there uh, and they just left everything because of the invading army and the stronghold was huge walls uh, they had unique systems of protection and that's one of the thrilling things I learned when I was in Israel and you could always tell a stronghold that Solomon built 
because the protection was always the same inside the gate if they ever got through the gate. With just a few archers, they could really hold off an invading army through the gates if they got them down. When you go to the Wailing Wall, uh, where the Jewish people pray, you may have seen them praying, the men on one part of it, the women on another part. But the largest stone in that wall, which was part of the foundation wall of the temple, weighs 18 tons. To push that wall down would be almost impossible. Now, I can't say that the stones at the wall around Jericho were 18 tons, but let me tell you, it wasn't a brick wall. It was a wall to provide protection from the enemy. And that became a stronghold. Now, let's say that, uh, that you and I went to uh, spy it out, and we go back and uh, give our report to Joshua and say, well, listen, all the farms are vacant, the crops are in the field, uh, the homes are all furnished, why don't we just leave a tribe here and they can move into all these vacant homes and these farms and go on and forget about the stronghold. The problem is, if you leave the stronghold standing, it becomes a point of contact for the enemy to harass. You know, send arrows over, guys coming out at night to harass the people and so on. If there was going to be peace, that stronghold had to come down. Okay, now, since he's using strongholds, and the people understood that because that's when they lived and they knew the protection of these walled cities and so on. The question is, how does that relate to us today? See, strongholds is something that's got a hold on me, really holding on me, and I can't seem to go forward, I can't seem to get past this. See, a stronghold in my life is faulty thinking. See, when I believe a lie, it becomes true for me. And strongholds usually start to form as a result of deep wounding when I was young. But that just began the stronghold. See, the problem today, if you're an adult, is not that I was wounded. The problem is the lies that I believe because I was wounded. The foundation of every stronghold in your life, the very foundation of it, is a false belief system. And I know I struggled with strongholds of inferiority, strongholds of fear rejection, and you name all of that stuff because of the wounding that took place in my family with an alcoholic father. In fact, my sister just told me the other day, I never knew this, and she is a little younger than I am, but she's no, you know, she's in her uh, late 60s. And, uh, I mean, pardon me, her, uh, her late 70s. And she said, you know, Jim, after you went in the Army, Dad even got worse. And I felt, with his raging and all that went on when he would drink, I thought he would kill me before I graduated from high school. And my sister didn't know the Lord. 
And she said, I was sitting with my cap and gown at a graduation. I thought, well, he didn't succeed. Uh, when you grow up in a home like that, you've had a lot of wounding. And you have a tendency to believe those negative words and negative comments. Now, if you're wrestling with strongholds on negative comments and that type of thing, then I encourage you to go on our website and get the power of words. And in there, uh, the whole thing is about breaking the power of words over me because they form strongholds. And you begin to build your life around those lies to protect yourself or to prove they're wrong or whatever. But the motivating force is not God. The motivating force are these things or things that took place in my life and so on are running my life. And you cannot have peace unless that stronghold comes down. Now remember, the foundation of every stronghold is a false belief system. And Jesus made a beautiful statement when he said, the truth will set you free. Now why is that sometimes very difficult? Here is truth. It's objective. What God says is objective out here. It's just the written word of God is objective. But strongholds are based strongly on feelings and experiences. And it's easier to believe something I feel than it is to believe truth. But I'm telling you, beloved, choose the truth, what God says. And that truth will knock out that false and that stronghold will just come tumbling down. Years ago, you couldn't get me to talk to you like this. I'd be so afraid that I'd say something wrong or my tie was crooked or my hair standing up or who knows what all, that I would be so nervous that I wouldn't want to share with you. And God has done a wonderful work in my life and handling the wounding uh, that I had up until the time. Uh, I graduated from high school and was trained in the medical field and worked for a doctor and then went in the army. So the first thing is pulling down strongholds. The second thing in the battle for the mind is casting down imagination that every high thing exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Every single counselee that we have over all these years, I mean years and years of counseling in colleges and all other places I've been, missions and so on, is a distorted view of God. That's not an accident. That's by satanic design. If I have a distorted view of God, it's very hard for me to trust him with my strongholds and so on. And I, get, I have to get to know God by name. Uh, we had our people, we don't carry the book anymore, but you can get it at a bookstore, Lord, I Want to Know You by Kay Arthur, where she goes through some of the major names of God. Because God revealed his character in the new names he gave. If you have a distorted view of God, there's going to be areas of your life that you can't trust him. Um, I've been reading this Bible, the Names of God Bible, and they have, I forget how many names of God in here. And as you read through when God gave a new name, they have a double page in there that explains that name and what it means in a prayer to pray 
how you can pray that name back to God. Because the more intimate relationship you have with God, the more you're going to have less trouble with struggles in your life because you can trust Him. But if He's a God that's out there somewhere uh, and depowered or who knows what, you're not going to be able to trust Him. And the third thing it says in verse 5, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We talked about strongholds. Now this isn't strongholds. These are intruding thoughts that pop into our mind. Don't worry, is this thought for me or from the enemy? It doesn't make any difference because it's a wrong thought. And the word captivity, I looked it up in the Greek and it was so strange to me. It was spear point. And it's interesting, what in the world, why did God use that illustration? Because in a physical battle in Bible days, often some men were armed with spears. And they could only get one man at a time with a spear. There may be ten men coming, but he maybe picks out the strongest or whatever and goes after him and pulls it out and goes after another. And what he's saying is one wrong thought, one spear. Because if I don't take that wrong thought captive, it is going to captivate me. Because as a thought rolls around in my mind that's a wrong thought, it'll pick momentum. And pretty soon I'm almost believing it's true and I'm going to act on it. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when a wrong thought pops into your mind, first of all, you can say immediately, I give no consent to that. But if you look at Jesus, when Satan actually talked to Jesus in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, Jesus used the truth of Scripture. Now, he, he's called the Logos of God. He could have quoted the three verses from Deuteronomy uh, from his head. I mean, he is the Word of God, but he didn't. He paraphrased it. He put it in his own words. Why did he do that? Because Jesus knew in the spiritual battle most of us will know more truth of Scripture than we know word for word. How much of the New Testament have you memorized? If you know the verses, that's wonderful. And if you have a constant problem with a constant re uh, reoccurring thought, then search the Scriptures for truth. You know, if it's immoral thoughts, I've, my body is the temple of God. I've yielded my body in Romans 12, 1 and 2. To God and I'm not going to defile the temple. That will break the power of that thought. You'll be amazed the freedom that you can have because freedom starts in your mind. In Christ we're free but because we became a believer doesn't mean we can push clear over all the wrong activities, wrong thoughts today. Kids are watching stuff on television and on their little deals that would make my hair stand up, but I haven't got any. You know, and I have enough problems, but I can't imagine the problems these kids are going to have with all the stuff they're seeing. So, the battle we're in is not won simply because I don't want to be here. The weapons that God has given us are divinely empowered, first of all, to pull down strongholds, and strongholds are false belief systems. Because as long as I believe that, my thoughts will be wrong. So I need to deal with those strongholds. 
And remember, the children of Israel didn't wipe out all the strongholds in one sweep. They wiped out Jericho. You can wipe out the first one. And once that stronghold comes down, when you engraft that truth in your heart, when you come to Ai or the next place or the next place where they went, you'll find the battle isn't easy, but it's not as hard as the first one. The first one is the hardest one, learning how to use scripture to tear down false belief systems. And then, do I have a proper concept of who God is? Do I really know him? Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I understand the Holy Spirit, but it becomes the God, the Father. He's just out there. Now, we know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make up God. But we're talking about God as Father. As God has been revealed himself through the Bible by his names. So I'd encourage you to get uh, Clinton, uh, um, oh, what's her name's book? You know, Lord, I want you to know K. Arthur or My Father's Name by Elmer Towns. That's another wonderful book. K. Arthur's, you work in it, which makes a little different Elmer Towns. Uh, or get the Names of God Bible. Uh, get to know the God that you're going to spend eternity with. And you will be blessed. May the Lord... Uh, bless you for sticking with me through these three series on our thinking. And of course, this doesn't cover everything, but it gives you some of the teachings of Scripture in a nutshell about thinking. And uh, so if my thoughts aren't true, accurate, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, and praise, then those thoughts need to be taken captive, the negative ones. Bless you in the battle. And there's other materials about thinking on our website uh, and some of the material you can copy and run off on thinking and thoughts and so on. I just, I want to pray. Father, I pray for those that are watching. Please, Father, may they experience brand new victory in their mind that they've never experienced before because of these three-part series from your word. Thank you, Father that you are the victory and you giveth us the victories. We are more than conquerors through you in Christ Jesus. Amen, Father.